I had a dream. So first of all, I've never seen a Star Wars movie. So what? Uh, that's wow. I know, I know, never seen a Star Wars movie. Um, but I had a dream last night um, where, for some reason, everyone called memes Wookies. Really? And I don't know why this is. Uh, so, like, for example, if someone wanted to say, hey, it's like that uh, obsessed girlfriend meme, they would say that obsessed girlfriend Wookiee. And it was never addressed in the context of my dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my question to you is, when I inevitably go to my therapist about this, <laughs> what, what do you think they're going to say? Like, what do you think the reason is for this? Like, what? why Why the Wookiees? Why the Wookiees? Yeah, well, especially given that you haven't actually seen a Star War. I've never seen a single Star War. Not even Man. one. No, oh, no. Yeah, um, I'm familiar with the Wookiee. Mm-hmm. Right. It's the yeah. brown one. Yes. yes. It's the fuzzy one. The fuzzy one. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know. Is, is my therapist going to be mad that I haven't seen Star Wars? Is it going to start there? <laughs> I mean, yeah, if I, I was your therapist, the first thing that I would prescribe is, like, go watch Star Wars. Like, you have to fix this. Can I just take pills instead? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think it works the same way. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, blue pill, I mean, you, right? you could yeah, do both. <laughs> Med- medical advice, <laughs> legal advice, <laughs> relationship advice. I think it's great. All right. Yeah. Good. This is great. Career advice. One, one stop shop. <laughs> I'm your gal. <laughs> Let's fuck it up. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Welcome to the Flyover Indies podcast, where Kansas City area game developers talk about what we're playing, maybe what we're making, and what we're learning by doing those two things. And just by listening, you're part of the game development process, kind of, sort of. And we are recording in person at the lovely Broadway Roasting Company. Uh, I just like saying that because to me, it feels like a really cool secret club that no one else knows about. And Mm -hmm. I know I've said that many times before, uh, but I just love it. I love it so much. So thank you so much for listening to this episode number two. I'm Caleb J. Ross. I'm a member of Flyover Indies and a game developer. Joining me today are Charlotte Tribble, co-founder of Flyover Indies and a game developer. How are you, Charlotte? I'm doing great. Nice. And also with me is Gage Bradley, member of Flyover Indies, musician and game developer. How are you, Gage? I'm doing well. Thank you. Do you, are, do you feel like you're better than us because you have an extra com, an extra serialized item in your list of things More that commas. you want? <laughs> yeah. No, you know, I thought about that. In there. Like, maybe I'll just take something off. <laughs> I'm glad you didn't because it wouldn't have given me the chance to say a really mean, stupid comment just now. So thank you for keeping that in. Yep, you're welcome. Uh, no, that's awesome. I, I, I'm excited to have you here. Um, and uh, excited to have both of you here, obviously. Um, and so on today's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about what, kind of what we've been playing. We always like to start these episodes with just a, a quick uh, bit about what we've been playing. And, and spe- specifically also what we're learning from those games that we're playing in terms of game development. Um, and then we're going to go into our main topic, which is just kind of why we make the games that we make. Um, you know, what is it that draws us to the specific games that we make and that sort of thing, which is fun. And then at the end, we are going to uh, play a game. Um, that's one of my favorite parts of these. Uh, the score right now is host evil, evil maniacal host zero mm-hmm. players one. So Gage, you're, you're the X factor in this. I hope you can All maintain right. the trend. Uh, <laughs> I will try my best. <laughs> <laughs> so let's start about, let's start talking about kind of what we've been playing. Um, and I've been talking way too much. So actually what I'm first going to do is I'm going to toss over to Charlotte, even though you're last on our list. So hopefully uh-huh. this isn't, uh, this isn't <laughs> scary or anything, but like, what have you been playing and, and what have you been learning from that playing? Yeah. Uh, so let's see, lately I have been playing death loop, which is a, mm, yeah. a ton of fun. And B, like the one of the things that I'm appreciating a lot about it is just the general level design of the game. Uh, they, I guess I should say like what Deathloop 
is yeah. if people are not familiar with it. Um, it's a first-person shooter. Uh, as its name implies, there, there's this looping mechanic where I, I don't think it's a spoiler for the game or anything, but you, you die and you wake up again and you die and you wake up again, and it's a little Groundhog Day-ish. <laughs> yeah. um, it's got a lot of really fun characters, excellent writing, and just the, the whole thing is an absolute blast. I'm, I'm enjoying it thoroughly. And one of the things that's really cool is because it's got this Groundhog Day mechanic, you end up spending a lot of time in the same places Mm. but it feels at least so far fresh and new every time because they they've got i think it's a four different locations throughout the game that you visit but each location is going to be different according to what time of day it is Mm -hmm. that you're visiting so you've got like i think it's a morning noon afternoon and night and so one one of the spots will be completely different the kinds of things that you'll run into, the things that you'll find, the story beats that are going on, because those also are changing throughout your progression through the game. And it's just kind of fascinating to see this set, uh, like this small set of levels that just continues to um, like give and give and give in terms of what you can experience there. And um, one of the things that I think helps that quite a bit is the level design makes a lot of use of like verticality oh, and okay. storytelling and narrative within the design itself. Like there are plenty of things that you can uh, like read me- messages and papers and you uncover clues to stuff. Uh, and then you can move on to the next room and turn the corner and you find yourself in a completely different type of place. And it's like, wow, how, how did they fit this space next to another one and have it still make sense? But it always does mm-hmm. uh, reminds me a bit actually of like the dark souls and demon souls like if you've ever mm-hmm. played through those kind of the way they have those played through levels. them no played for a very short <laughs> amount of time yes yes <laughs> died, died over and over again this sounds very familiar um but they, they just make a, a great use of space and packing a lot into a little mm-hmm. and i think both from software and arcane studios who made death loop are like very good examples of this um mm-hmm trying to remember uh the other one of the other games that they made oh uh dishonored mm-hmm. the oh, yeah, yeah. arcane did that they did pray mm-hmm. and in dishonored 2 there there's one level in particular it's the clockwork mansion yeah it's like that's a crazy awesome a, level <laughs> wow yeah it, it's a great example of this kind of level design and the, there's actually a fascinating video that you can watch on youtube i think it's by game makers toolkit but it it's interviews with the level designers talking about the kinds of things that they had to consider while creating this. And it, you, you can just tell that at that studio, they're, they're very passionate yeah. about mm-hmm. the spaces and environments in the games that they're making. And it, it shows very much in all of these games, but yeah. I'm, I'm loving it in death loop, just wow. dying over and over again in the same places, but it feels different every time. Yeah. So. That's really, really impressive. Um, mm-hmm. Would you, would you call it a, or would you use the descriptor of roguelike or ro- anytime I hear repeating um, a level, that's where my dumb yeah. brain goes. And I know that's productive, but no, I, I, I think that probably is an appropriate descriptor. And I, I'm not, um, super familiar with roguelikes just as a genre. It hasn't often like sucked me in, but recently playing death loop, I, I think that fits the bill. Uh, I also was playing Hades mm-hmm. a lot fairly recently. And that does another, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're you're repeating through the same kinds of levels. Those are procedurally generated, but that 
kind of flow of you go out, you adventure for a bit, you die, narrative progresses and new things begin to happen. And even though you've died, you haven't lost 100% of your progress <laughs> through right. the game. Like yeah. the story is still advancing, you're gaining new abilities throughout. And I just think it's a lot of fun to play and very cleverly built. Um, I'm not bouncing off of these games the way I, I do many other roguelikes where more does get reset and it feels like oh I'm back to square right. zero Did you think again? the lack of procedural generation with I'm assuming it's a, there's no procedurally generated levels in Deathloop it's all mm -hmm. crafted and stuff do you yeah. think that helps keep you invested along with the narrative or do you feel like if it was randomly generated it would it would be fine I think if they were to go with like random or procedural generation here it, the game would need to look really really different um the the crafted nature of it works very well and feels a bit more like Majora's Mask mm. to me. And that that's another game that I absolutely loved. And one of the things that I found myself particularly drawn to was that concept of like, okay, on day one at this place, this character's doing this thing. You can go like read it off in your journal and what have you and you solve like quests and stories and that sort of thing uh day two that that same character might be doing something different depending on what happened on day one and it just sort of builds and you have this uh what's the right word just like this um like daily routine mm -hmm. that all of the characters in there are going through and mm -hmm. death loop feels sort of similar in that regard where there are certain things that are happening at a certain time of the day that particular characters are doing and you can go influence that and it will change what happens later that day in that same location and so it does lean very heavily into like that groundhog day type okay we're here we're learning what happens and who's doing what and i'm trying really hard to not spoil anything <laughs> but uh, right. yeah it's it's excellent i'm i'm having such a great time with this game that's very just cool. exploring that's very it cool. that sounds awesome uh so what about you gage what have you been, you've been playing yeah um i've been playing something very different um <laughs> it's a free-to-play game on steam uh, it's an auto chess game, which if you've never heard of that, welcome to the club. <laughs> um, it's essentially, it's a strategy game where if you imagine you're playing chess, but you put your pieces where you want them, then you hit your chess timer and the pieces move in a predetermined manner against your opponents. So you're almost, uh, you know, setting things up and then letting it go and watching it go, like watching your machine run itself basically which is this game mm -hmm. you i guess to back up you buy animals which are based off of like the iphone emoji yeah. set, which is really cute um, they each have an ability they do something different and you put them on your team which is just a line like a straight line and they have a you know like a defense value an attack value you know, you once you run out of your money, then you go into the battle phase, compares your team against your opponents, and it's just a simple, like, number comparison, and you watch them just kind of boop each other, and then the one with <laughs> the bigger... Fight it out. <laughs> yeah, the one with the bigger number bumps the other off the screen, you know, etc. But I found, you know, I didn't think I would enjoy this game, but I watched someone else playing it, and I was like, oh, it's free to play, let's we give it a shot. <laughs> um, and it really drew me in because it was so deceptively simple <laughs> mm -hmm. that I, I didn't imagine how how much like meta to the game that there w could be <laughs> mm -hmm. with something that simple but I enjoyed the buying part of the game almost more than the battling part because I realized the developers really worked in 
a lot of these like pets abilities to scale their numbers and stuff off like the action of buying one or the action of selling one like there would be an advantage to doing that mm. as mm-hmm. well as to you know buying a stat boost from a piece of fruit or something um, <laughs> so it's really interesting to me because it was I enjoyed a part of the game that I thought wouldn't was just like UI yeah essentially I'm like this should be a menu um, I shouldn't be having fun doing this but I am <laughs> you know um, so it kind of it sparked some um, some inspiration in, in my just like thinking about parts of games that you think is routine um, and just should be there because it's a game but you know it it doesn't have to be a, a tool only or a slog like it can be something that you can design to be almost a micro game yeah. in itself mm-hmm. um, to keep gameplay engaging which I thought was really neat yeah. so it was it, it was really incredible I watched some footage here before um, before recording this and it was interesting all the things you say are absolutely correct it looks deceptively simple but then you layer on various like stat buffs and things like that and each mm-hmm. one of these elements that you layer onto your cards or your animals have the, they abide by the system rules of the larger game and so you kind of have to be playing chests chests <laughs> you know the game where you open lots yeah. of chests and find treasure exactly. um, you hope it's not a mimic <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you you you, uh, you really do it is like chess and that you have to like think what the next you have to know all of the rules across all of the pieces simultaneously to really be effective. And that's something I know I would be terrible at with a game. It's like, I would probably just scattershot whatever and, and fail every time. But I think the, the, what I was really captured by is watching how they, they, they incorporate sort of small elements of delight into the entire game throughout the entire way through. Everything is always, animating or moving the colors are bright just mm-hmm. from a superficial dumb lizard brain perspective like <laughs> right. it's it's engaging like yeah. you're just you're you're wow this is really cool yeah. they're moving characters and, and you know squishing and squashing characters that they don't really need to but they're doing it because it was, yeah. it's engaging and it's fun and delightful and stuff and so it looked really cool i plan on uh if it's on android as well i plan on on mm-hmm. downloading it and seeing how uh, seeing how it, how it, how it actually plays but uh, yeah it looked really cool yeah yeah there's definitely a lot of that like game juice yeah I guess you could call yeah, yeah. It. <laughs> absolutely there is absolutely so that's cool um yeah. so yeah that's really cool um so i've been playing um uh i've been playing actually two games uh they played the two played through the two ori games ori in the blind forest and ori in the mm. will of the wisps yeah. i'm a huge 2d platformer uh, metroidvania fan these games i avoided for a long time because i also don't like difficult games <laughs> i'm a super <laughs> weenie um and i heard stories of these being pretty difficult but what i found was that they actually are difficult, and this is kind of what I took from the game, they're difficult in the right ways. They're not difficult in the time-wasty, frustrating kind of ways. Mm-hmm. Very similar to um, a Celeste type of game, where Celeste, when you die, you start over immediately. You're yeah, right there, right. you're ready to go again, you can just try again. There's no build-up, there's no warm-up, there's nothing. Um, the first Ori game, Ori in the Blind Forest, uh, they that game incorporates a really cool save mechanic in which you can effectively save anytime you want. You can just save your game right before a boss fight if you want to, you can save it earlier. So it's giving the player control over difficulty in sort of those micro decisions. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really, really, really cool because um, it allowed me to, if I wanted, make the game a little bit easier, start right from a, before a boss. But at the same time, but, but what was interesting to me is in the sequel, uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps, they remove that and they use more of a 
autosave mechanic. So it oh. saves predetermined times throughout throughout the game. You can still cheese that to some degree. You know, the, it's very obvious where the save trigger is. Mm-hmm. If you pass it, you get an item. You can just go right back to it and have a save, save again. again. Yeah. Um, so it, it's it's pretty easy to cheese in that in that sense. But I like that they were like, you know what? We want the game to be. And I'm projecting here. I haven't talked to the developers, obviously, but we want the game to be difficult because of of, of the player's capacity to use the systems accordingly and to sort of press the right button at the right time rather than mm-hmm. we want the difficulty to be you have to try to jump over this pit of spikes 17 times before yeah. you finally beat the boss. Right. Um, and that was just really, really, really incredible to me. It makes me realize this game, along with like Celeste, makes me realize that Maybe I do like a difficult game, but I just like a very specific kind of difficult game. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it was really interesting to, to come away with that. I loved the games. They were both phenomenal, fantastic games. So. Yeah. Cool. No, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of familiar with those. I haven't played through them, but I know I've watched people play them or watched playthroughs of them. Um, and, yeah, I think the implementing a, like a very forgiving save into your game can do a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know, I know, like, Hollow Knight is a really good metrovania for mm-hmm. instance but yeah they have those set save points so some boss fights like you mess up and you're like i know what i did yep. i'm ready to go again mm-hmm. wait i have to trek back a 10 minute walk to the boss <laughs> before i can try again but i'm here now <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. exactly. yeah and sometimes that's enough to make you put the game down for the day it's but, what yeah. made me put the game down forever i, I literally put mm-hmm. 35 hours into that game got to a boss that i couldn't beat after like three attempts three attempts is not very many but I, it had been slowly building where it's mm-hmm. like, this game's just going to get harder, and right. I'm yeah. fine. I'm done. Yeah. And I loved the 35 hours I put into it. It was mm-hmm. an amazing experience the entire time, but there was just a, a hard gate that I was like, I just don't want to do this anymore. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do think that it's important with save mechanics in games to have something that is at least somewhat forgiving because mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but I'll just like all of a sudden have something else I've got to go do. Yeah. Like just <laughs> yeah. whatever it is, it could be important. It probably isn't. I want the ability to just be like, Oh, okay. I'm going to save my, my stuff right here where it is. I'll come back. If I want to try and save scum or be a jerk about it, maybe probably not, but being able to like say hey I'm done with this for the moment mm-hmm. but please let me come back and not lose like my last 10 minutes of progress or whatever it is for me is really important as someone who yeah, gets I, distracted all the time and, mm-hmm. I personally think that and this is going to be kind of a brash statement but I purpose I, I personally think that it's bad game design to be restrictive in that way now mm-hmm. I understand every game design choice can be made with an intent for a specific design it can have mm-hmm. a design intent so I yeah. could make the save save system t- arbitrarily in my words difficult for a purpose that's fine mm-hmm. but I would say like in most games I play just let me save anytime and yeah. the game would be more fun mm-hmm. it would be more difficult but it would be more difficult in a way that I feel is not in service generally speaking to the design intent of the game yeah. you know it's yeah. it's like mm-hmm. it, it, we always go back to like the Soulsborne games and stuff like those difficulty the trek up to the boss is part of the difficulty of those games that's mm-hmm. you know it can be frustrating but that is the intent that's the design we want the player to constantly feel like they're having to s- climb back up the mountain and mm-hmm. fight the boss we don't we don't want them to feel satisfied getting to the ma- top of the mountain once like, i just had flashes game. of bennett foddy by the way <laughs> <laughs> and i'm pretty sure that has no safe mechanic yeah it's like an endurance difficulty yeah, yeah. as opposed to like a skill you know mm-hmm. like 
a timing right. or something. And yeah. I think most games don't. I, I think it's a carryover from older games, probably in the sense that games. Uh, I've heard story anyway of of games mostly having to be sort of are difficult to lengthen the the game. Feel like the the, the buyer got their money's worth right from mm-hmm. old like cartridge based games and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because if you're really good, you can beat those games in 20 minutes. You know, yeah. you can beat them super fast. They didn't want you to do that, so they had to make them difficult. And I think because a lot of developers nowadays. Uh, or developers that exist nowadays probably cut their teeth on those games. There's just these assumed design features, quote-unquote, that carry over into game design now mm-hmm. that they kind of just keep. Um, and I'm, I'm thankful that I feel like I, it's, always be, it's always dangerous to like sort of make an assumption about a, a, a cultural shift or, or, a, or a shift in general from within it. But I feel like there, people are more comfortable moving away from we have to make it arbitrarily difficult. Mm-hmm. And there's such a wide, there's such a glut of games now that people can mm-hmm. choose what they want. I actually, I have how long to beat uh, saved on my phone. And when I want to start a new game, I'm like, what game do I own? That's the shortest. That's yeah. the one I'm going to play. <laughs> right. And so mm-hmm. for me personally, I do that. And I know a lot of, uh, of friends and stuff that do the same thing. So I, I don't know. I, I hope it's a change for the better. Yeah. Same. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's move on to our main topic. Shall we? Uh, we want to talk a little bit about what draws us to, to, uh, the different genres of games that we that we make, um, and and why we might be drawn to those. What is it, what kind of decisions do we make? Um, and I'd like to start the conversation just as a very general kind of statement. In that, uh, I want to ask both of you. Um, I'll start with you, Gage. Um, mm-hmm. What what is it that you think about when you're when you're out to set a game or when you st- start making a game? What goes through your mind regarding the, the the very first initial decisions to and to seed sort of the response a little bit, I guess, because I feel like my question isn't being asked very well. Um, do you think in terms of mechanics first? Do you think in terms of just uh, visuals first, music first, maybe? Like, mm-hmm. is there a common thread with the games that you decide to make? Yeah, um, there definitely is, and I think it's visuals for me. Um, I like, I, I, yeah, my ideas usually start as some aesthetic like oh this would be cool like i love the theme of this how can i apply this to some genre that i enjoy um and i think that's a product of my skill set because i'm not i'm not a programmer um i'm learning but i'm definitely like for me to prototype a game in godot or something it takes an immense amount of effort (laughs) as opposed to sketching it down so that's i just choose to do it that way because then if i do like something then I'll go and decide to like that's cool. Yeah, you're seeding that motivation for yourself to go forward in the future. Yeah. Probably, right? Exactly, yeah. and even I mean sometimes that can be difficult because I know it's good to iterate on your design like fast and quick sometimes depending on your style, but that way you can kind of whittle your mechanics down. Sometimes I spend a little too much time designing the <laughs> art before I make sure the game is actually fun. But yeah, like you said, that's the source of my motivation. So I don't count that as like a lose for me because overall yeah. I'm having fun and it's inspiring me and other ideas sometimes mm-hmm. stem from that. So I think it's overall like a net gain, but it's very different than I know how some, some other people prototype things. Yeah. Um, and you would have to iterate the art anyway at some point. So it's like, you're still mm-hmm. kind of iterate. You're not, maybe not iterating the entire experience as a whole, but the art would have to be refined anyway. So I mean, True. you're still doing, you're still iterating, I guess. So, right. Yeah. yeah. And it, you know, it's like, I'm just like the programmer art for me is like, you know, like programmers have programmer art. I'm like the art with artists, like prototypes. Or I don't know what the opposite of that would be, but you know. What I mean. Yeah, um, yeah, that's really cool. That's it's it's interesting. Um, I'll I'll go next just because I want to because it's weird because I'm the exact opposite. Like uh, I growing up, I was the art guy, but 
something changed kind of probably in my mid twenties or so where I was like, I just, I'm not good at this and I don't, and that's demoralizing. And so I, I just not having fun. Mm -hmm. And at the same kind of time, coincidentally, I would imagine probably not related. I got just really into just sort of just logic in general. It's kind of when I fell in love with spreadsheets and that kind of nerdy stuff. (laughs) And so for me, like historically speaking, it's always been some sort of mechanic that I thought would be really cool to play with. And I'm just like, I, I, I've never seen this particular thing in a game. So, for example, one of my more recent projects, um, I'm, I was trying to gamify the idea of of connecting threads to pins, like on a on a on a police procedural sort of mm-hmm. suspect board where you kind of pin. Yeah. And I just thought it would be fun to be able to click on a thing and drag it around and have the line kind of follow you, and then you let off the click, and it would just like pin into the wall, and you would have this mm-hmm. big crazy network of things. And that just like that was a driving image to like I want to figure out this mechanic. So I did that, and the game is little more than that mechanic it really is just that it's it's barely a game at all um but that was that was like really interesting and encouraging to me and what i found was to to your point about like leaning into a skill set that you already have because i loved just logic and and spreadsheets and that kind of crap i actually it was actually during a a study study hall um Mm -hmm. where i uh I, i actually just kind of mapped out the logic using just basic formulas in a spreadsheet and that was almost like the prototype of what would become the code. Yeah. And it was much easier for me to iterate in that environment because I'm I'm similar to you, I think, in that I'm I'm I know some code, but I'm not I'm I'm learning. Um, and so I was able to iterate within this contained environment of, of a skill set that I know very very well before I actually tried to play around with it because I knew if I played around with it late, like initially in code, I would just give up. And so I was like, I'm just going right. to play around in this, in this self-contained environment that I know about. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's interesting that, uh, that, yeah, it's complete opposites in that, in that respect. Um, mm-hmm. what, what about you, Charlotte? Uh, let's see. I often find myself starting with like just the seed of a mechanic or even sometimes a genre. Like, I don't know, I'm, I'm obsessed with submarines. And so <laughs> I'm always looking for submarine games, which usually is going to involve like dials and sonar and that kind of thing. Um, oh, so like a sim submarine, not necessarily you're just a, a tiny submarine floating around or something? Um, or or I mean, either? Either. Oh, okay. <laughs> either. I, I just think they're they're interesting, which is not something that I ever would have expected as like a kid or a teenager. Or as a co-founder of Flyover Indies, a place, right. <laughs> a, a, a geography area <laughs> devoid of most deep. Yeah, of water. not yeah. a lot of submarines around. <laughs> yeah, not a lot. Turns out. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it might be something like that. Or, you know, I love racing games or certain types of racing games. Like I, I usually find myself with some sort of brain worm that I'm just like, ah, oh, what I, I want to play this, whatever mm. this is. But um, yeah, sometimes it, it starts from like some game that I played as a kid that I really enjoyed and I haven't quite found that same thing again. And you, you can always go back and play that game again, or maybe not always, if, if you can get a hold of it, <laughs> you, <Yeah. laughs> you can. Um, but the, revisiting games like that, they often don't hold up. And mm-hmm. it's, it makes me think about, okay, so what were the things in this game that were so sticky for me that I liked so much? Oh, like and how that. do I continue mm-hmm. to uh, like explore that? And can I replicate this feeling, whatever this mm-hmm. weird thing is that I'm trying to capture? Um and yeah, it just usually starts with something silly and small. I've got like a ton of notes on my phone of just like one sentence. Oh, that's cool. Ideas that they will probably never become games. Like they're they're hardly even a mechanic that you could describe. But it's just enough for me to come back to later and be like, okay, I could probably 
use this in a game jam somehow. I could jam yeah, it into like a, a game jams theme and call it a day. <laughs> oh, that's cool. I like you know. that. Kind of chasing your nostalgia in a way. A little bit, <laughs> yeah. To make it better. Yeah. 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 Did you, uh, did you find yourself having a difficulty? Like, so the idea of writing down a single sentence sort of seed or idea or something, um, on your phone or wherever is, is interesting to me. Um, did you, do you find yourself filtering before you put anything there or do you just say, you know what? I had this, this thing that'll probably be nothing. I'm going to go ahead and write it down and just deal with it later. I I probably used to filter, but I don't anymore. Like I, I will go back to those ideas often, uh, especially if I'm like, Oh, I I need to start a new game. (laughs) Um, and I often don't like a lot of what I've written down, but I still even then don't delete them because mm. I have had it before where I've come back and looked at it and gone like, nah, I don't, I don't know about this. And then come back again later and been like, okay, I've got the thing. I can finish this thought essentially yeah. and hopefully turn it into something that's actually fun. But uh, do, do you, do, do you sense that there's any sort of um, lean toward a specific type of thing that you might note? For example, are your lists mostly mechanics? Are they mostly, uh, you know, uh, visuals? Are they mostly audio cues or anything gosh. like that? Or is it kind of a mix? It, it's a it's a big mix, uh, but they they do lean more on mechanics or, um, yeah, just like very singular ideas. Um, for for instance, uh, one of the games that I made last year called Sprouts, it, it could hardly be called a game. <laughs> and that's often how I introduce it to people. It's like, I hope you don't like <laughs> gameplay because this doesn't have it. Um, <laughs> anyway, it, it started as like a note on my phone of like, what if you had a little world, like a globe you could spin around and you had plants on it and you needed to spin this globe so that the plants would grow so you need to make sure that they get sun they get water and that's it (laughs) and so the the game that i made like that's truly all there is Mm -hmm. like you spin it and you can water the plants and they will grow more and they need sun i think i maybe got a day night cycle in there but it's been a moment since i looked back at it but that's all that this particular experiment needed and it it totally started just as a weird idea that probably sat on my phone for Mm -hmm. a year and a half or so before I got around to making it. Um, yeah, yeah. that's neat. Can I I assume then that the three of us are similar and if not, definitely call me out are similar in the sense that we, when we start creating a game, uh, we are kind of expecting it to be a, an experiment, so to speak. Like it's, we don't necessarily go into it thinking this is going to have a definitive beginning, middle, there's going to be an in state with very specific, like win lose conditions, or am I wrong in that? And I'm just projecting my own, uh, senses on, on you, on, on the two of you. But I feel like that's a common thing maybe in, in the indie dev world is to be comfortable just making an experience rather than a game. Yeah, I mean, for me, I I long ago set aside any ideas of like certainly commercial success or anything like that. Um, and from there, I've been able to lean much more heavily on like this is just a bunch of experiments. Some of it's going to work, a lot of it won't. Um, it's just going to be whatever I feel like pulling together at that time and varying levels of like quote unquote like finishedness <laughs> or polish <laughs> to it may or may not end up in whatever that experiment is and 
for me, that's really freeing because yeah, yeah, it means I don't have to worry about it. And if I'm done working on a game, I can be like, okay, that's it. <laughs> this is all you get. <laughs> it doesn't get better than this. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would say the same for me too. Most of my things. Yeah. I, I'm also not like aiming for like huge indie commercial success, but um, yeah, everything I make, I would kind of make like, this is a game I'd want to play with my friends like, you know, and then I make them test it. And like, if it works, it works. If it doesn't, that's fine. You know, you just, <laughs> yeah. you're just trying to get your ideas on, on paper and every, you know, subsequent idea after that kind of helps you figure out your own process mm-hmm. <laughs> a yeah. little bit more. Yeah, 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 for sure. I've had feedback from some of my, I guess, experiences or games. Um, I'm surprised at how often someone will uh, respond and say, how do you win? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what? probably this thing I should have done. <laughs> that's, <laughs> like, that's not important. Because yeah. <laughs> it is, it's, 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 I feel like I'm similar to you, Charlotte, in that, like, it took me a little while, if I'm interpreting your words correctly, mm-hmm. and if I'm not, definitely call me out. But um, it took me a while to sort of get comfortable with the idea that this is just an experiment that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm so comfortable with it that I'm surprised when people think of it as anything other than that. Right. <laughs> They're like, you should, oh, you should do this to the game. Like, yeah, but that would make it a game. I don't yeah. know if I want to do that. That's not. <laughs> like, I don't feel like it. Yeah, so no. no, I'm sorry. I've I mean, you're right. On. It would be better. But. <laughs> I'll, I'll focus so much on the mechanic itself <laughs> that like that part of it is, is cool. And then I'm like, oh, I need to teach the player how this works. Crap. Mm-hmm. I need to have a, a, a tutorial or I'll just have a single screen that says push these buttons. Yeah. Oh, I need to have an in state. <laughs> Nah, I'll just have a single screen that says, thanks for playing, or whatever. Like yeah. That. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. 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 There is no winning. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about um, engine choice. And, and I don't want to get too much in the depths uh, on this. Um, but I think it's important because I know you, you mentioned Godot, Gage. Um, I don't know if that's your, your mm-hmm. primary or whatever. I know, Charlotte, you work in Unity. Mm-hmm. Um, do you restrict your thoughts or ideas to the engines that you're familiar with? Um, or are you accepting and willing to learn a new engine if that's what's going to be capable of like realizing your ideas? Either one of you, I guess I'll go first. I should have point told which one I was going to ask first in the beginning <laughs> to prime your head to think, but I'm not going to do that. Go. Yeah. Um, I'll go first because my answer is really short. Um, I'm doing Godot because it's open source. It's mm-hmm. free. Um, and it's very user friendly, which for me is really nice. Um, it's very, it's very good for like UI focused games Oh, cool! too. It's really mm-hmm. easy to make. Like they, they use a node structure, which is just like a tree. Um, uh, you've got like a parent item and then you, you know, c- which could be like a room in your game. And then under that room, you have your objects and one of those is your player. Mm-hmm. So structurally that makes sense for me. It's easy for me to look at that and understand mm-hmm. it as opposed to like maybe like game maker or something, mm-hmm. which I've used before. Um, so yeah, t- to me, it's just like an ease of use, I think. And mm-hmm. I probably won't change engines now um, <laughs> just because I'm starting to learn it. But And yeah, does Godot yeah. have its own language or do you, you use? It, it does. Okay. Yeah, it's got GDScript, which I think is Python based. Okay. So it's fairly simple to read for, for new people um, like myself. I've heard yeah. a lot about Godot and I don't know if it's just becoming more popular, but I feel like over like the last six months or so, I'm getting Godot stuff recommended to me on YouTube like all mm-hmm. the time. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that's good because that means people enjoy the engine. It sounds like you enjoy it. So that's, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think it has, um, it's gotten a lot of support recently. Um, and people are like, they're, you know, the developers who are philanthropists essentially, <laughs> you know, they put a lot of work into it. Um, there's some really great updates for it and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's very cool. Engine. It's cool. Yeah. 
I haven't used it, but I have a very positive impression of it. It seems like it's got a good community and it is like thriving, I guess. Because, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm like you, Caleb. I, I see more and more chatter about Godot and just people recommending it and saying, hey, this is a really good choice. So, yeah. 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 Uh, what about you, Charlotte? Do you? Um, I mean, I stick with Unity just because it, it's not open source, which is kind of unfortunate, but it's free, and I, I'm just invested in it at this point. I've used it for years and years, uh, and it can do a lot, so I, I very rarely would ever need to worry about, like, oh my gosh, can I do this with Unity? Because the answer is <laughs> always yes. Yeah. Um, there are times where occasionally I'm like, oh, it'd be kind of cool to do like a narrative game or something like that, and then I remember, well, I... I'm not that great of a writer, so I probably shouldn't. <laughs> but if I wanted to, then I would be open to exploring a tool like Twine. Mm. Uh, I think there are, are other competitors to it that are similarly good. But if there was something super specialized, I I would check it out. But there's a pretty good chance I would still just be like, eh, but I know Unity. <laughs> so. Would you find yourself going to the asset store and trying to find an asset specifically built to create like narrative mm-hmm. branching structures or would you immediately it's say, possible. no, let's go somewhere else? I, I have started to use assets a lot more than I previously used to just to like save time and a, as I've mm-hmm. developed more, more things over the years, I've kind of realized like I have strengths and weaknesses when it comes to programming and even outside of that just like interests and things that I don't care about and so if it's something that falls into like the weakness slash really don't care about this then I'll lean more heavily on maybe there's an asset out there or some other tool that I can use but um otherwise yeah I mean unity can do so much like you can throw a lot of (laughs) crap at it and it'll still work which is nice yeah i have an interesting i started with unity years and years ago uh before i knew anything about anything then i went to game maker studio and i was like man game maker studio this i get this this makes way more sense oh 2d games i'm gonna make them it's great and what's interesting is is i've since gone back to unity and i realized oh no unity is just as honestly just as easy as game maker studio Mm -hmm. i just didn't know anything about unity at the time and Mm -hmm. so it's kind of interesting because now i'm looking at game maker studio and thinking that's too hard. There's, there's, there's something there. And you, like, as a, as a sort of from an ignorant perspective, you would think Game Maker Studio, it focuses on 2D games, um, would be way easier than Unity, but it mm-hmm. really isn't. It's kind of, it's, it's interesting to me. And I say easier, obviously that's subjective, but, um, it's just interesting that, that every once in a while you have those moments where you reflect on like your growth as a, as a game developer and you realize, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I think I'm learning some stuff. This is yeah. cool. This is cool. I like that. Yeah. Um, so we have a couple more minutes here, uh, before we get to our game, which we are going to get to here pretty soon. What I first want to do is make both of you feel really, really bad by asking some mistakes that you've made during Ooh, your game. Lots. Uh, so, we, so when you, when you are making <laughs> a game uh, when you start a new game um, I'm interested to know like what kind of mistakes that you find yourself either routinely making and for some reason you just are unable to uh, correct yourself or mistakes that you made once and you're like I'm never going to do that again um, and I think I want to start with uh, I'm going to start with uh, Eeny Meeny Charlotte I'm going to start with you <laughs> uh, making more submarine games no <laughs> no that's like a that's, mistake at all that's, that's never a mistake so, submarines are great we need more games about submarines um, <laughs> no I, I, I make plenty of mistakes so like as I was saying earlier I often start with like sometimes even half of an idea it's just whatever note I pulled out of my phone uh, that I probably wrote when I was half asleep or thinking about something else at the same time (laughs) and um, occasionally those ideas don't really turn out to much of anything Mm -hmm. I mean 
I, for, for, for instance, to speak about Sprouts again, I'm glad I had a chance to finally work on that game, but very quickly was like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I, I got the very basics down and mm-hmm. I could have continued to build onto it and add more. And it was like, ah, I, I'm done. Like I've kind of accomplished <laughs> the part that I actually turns out cared about mm-hmm. with this. So I'm going to set it aside. And so if something happens like that where it's like, okay, this didn't really take me very far. If I'm lucky enough to like wrap it up into something that is okay enough to like put on my, my itch.io page or something like that, then that's a success. But mm-hmm. often I find myself just like kind of half scribbling it, so to speak, and then throwing it away. It's like, <laughs> okay, this didn't really turn into anything. Um, and then I think probably the, probably the other mistake that I make is because I, I like, programming and thinking about like the systems behind it i do tend to get a little too far into the weeds on it Mm -hmm. and i'll Mm -hmm. spend a lot of time just obsessing over like oh i'm going to make this perfect thing whatever it is it's going to be super modular i can change it all out whatever the (laughs) the bit is that I, i want to work in there it will become not about the 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 game or even the mechanics it's about the code underneath and at that point it's like okay yep. <laughs> I probably have become too self-indulgent here and I need to like back away from the keyboard god and, I do that same thing yeah. all the time it's crazy to and, and just for the listeners like Charlotte's much more uh familiar with coding I mean th- than I am uh but it's interesting to hear that because I think the same way I think when I'm building something I'm like yeah, I might not want to cha- make this change now, mm-hmm. but I maybe in the future I might. There's an edge case right. out there somewhere that maybe I will want to do this thing, so I'd better program it now. Yeah, and I never ended up doing that. Like I'm just now getting familiar with. Like I, I used to, <laughs> so weird. Um, with Unity, I would be almost averse to making any changes in the inspector, mm-hmm. and I'm like, no, I want to make it in the code because yeah. that I understand conceptually a little bit more plus i know it's going to apply then to everything that's using the script and i don't have to like think of individual objects in the scene and make those changes like locally but the game i'm working on now i'm like no no no, no. that that doing it all in code is ridiculous for this concept that i'm doing here <laughs> because the doing it uh, in the inspector itself is going to be way easier and way better for the game i'm making and so like mm-hmm. i'm trying to force myself to think in terms of programmatic application rather than just object oriented I guess mm-hmm. anyway yeah that's interesting <laughs> I'm, gl- I'm glad then that sounds like it's not just a newbie problem that it actually happens to people who've yeah. been doing it a while <laughs> yeah yeah and I think it probably happens a lot because you've run into times when you haven't thought far enough yeah. ahead and mm-hmm. considered that edge case and you're like oh my gosh this is a really big yeah. plate of spaghetti that I wasn't ready to eat <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. Um, but you can definitely go too far down that road yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, what about you Gage yeah oh I mean I definitely relate to that like uh i'm sometimes a perfectionist with things so i like it to be a certain way or like yeah like you said like a modular idea where it's like i can use this elsewhere later (laughs) but then it turns out bad it's like why would i save this Um, (laughs) this doesn't deserve to be reused (laughs) right um like right now i'm working on a card game auto battler um and i've I'm using like cardboard to prototype my oh, little, yeah, like, nice. my little like game mats basically. I'm like, you know, I'm gonna, like I know what this is. I want this to be this. Let me write it in Sharpie. <laughs> you know, and then I've already like made a couple decisions where it's like, oh, I'll, I don't want that anymore. Like I want to just change how what this is called and I can't cuz it's like now I have to cut more cardboard in the shape. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I think you get in that like or at least I get in that like flow state where I like can't pull myself out of what I'm doing and yeah. then, like commit mm-hmm. to something 
which is, you know, that's fine. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I get that. I think I need to be more <laughs> flexible with letting go of some of my ideas and changing them on the fly. But, oh man, I hear that. Know. I hear that. Um, well, we're, we're kind of running out of time here a little bit, but I don't want to, I don't want to end without playing a game. Yeah, I demand games. Uh, yeah, yes. we're going to play this game. So as a <laughs> reminder, the score right now, so I'm going, to, I'm going to continue to keep score across all of the episodes, and the teams are always me, the evil game master, versus whatever the players are. And so you guys, I want you two to like work together as a team, talk okay. about your answers and everything. You're not competing. You're just competing with me. Cool. So the game we're going to play today is called Exception Handling. Oh. All right. And so this is a game where I read a statement about a video game or a game development topic that is almost correct. Oh. And so your job is to figure out what's wrong about it and correct me. Okay. Right? So for example, uh, we'll see how this example goes. Last time it didn't go so well, so we'll see. Uh, in the 1981 <laughs> arcade classic Donkey Kong, the titular monkey attempts to thwart Jumpman's advancement by throwing a variety of objects at the player playable hero. These objects include barrels and springs. Can you read it again? I can, absolutely. <laughs> in the 19... I'll emphasize what's wrong, so that okay. way you, you could uh, pick up on it. Okay. In the 1981 arcade classic Donkey Kong, the titular monkey... Oh, that's the one. That's ...attempts the one. to thwart <laughs> Jumpman's advancement by throwing a variety of objects at the playable hero. These objects include barrels and springs. Donkey Kong is not a monkey. He's not a monkey. He's a, that's correct. He's a donkey. <laughs> he's a donkey. <laughs> oh, you're so close, Gage. So close. Uh, I'll give it to you, though. I'll give it to you. Uh, okay, so that is what we are going to play. And I can't promise that the rest of the questions aren't going to be equally as asshole-ish. Uh, so <laughs> I, I apologize. We'll see how this goes. But I will be very forgiving. Uh, you can also interrupt me um, at any time uh, if you know the answer. Cool. Uh, Kita, I think it's Kita Takahashi, the creator of the Katamari games, Ooh. Katamari Damacy, Katamari Forever, I think there's a billion mm -hmm. others, mm -hmm. worked on a browser game called Glitch that ran from 2011 to 2012. That team created an internal communications tool during the development of the game. After the game shut down, they pivoted to keep developing that tool, which would become what we all know as Discord. Oh, I know the answer. Oh, go for it, because I don't. It wasn't Discord, it was Slack. Nice. Yes, yes you're on the board. Oh, you're nice. on the board. It is Slack, which I think is an amazing fact that uh, that that he had a role in building Slack, right? which is crazy. Oh, my that's, gosh. That's yeah. so interesting. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, okay, number two. Stardew Valley, a farming simulation role-playing game, was famously created in four years. I think four years. That's not the error. I'll, I'll give that. I'm pretty sure it was around four years. By a single person, Eric Barone, with financial support from his girlfriend, Amber Hageman. Hageman, maybe. Stardew Valley originally began as a modern fan-made alternative to the Animal Crossing series, as he felt, quote, the series had gotten progressively worse after Animal Crossing New Leaf. I think I know the answer to this one. All right. Do it. It wasn't Animal Crossing, it was Harvest Moon. You are correct, sir. Ooh. You are correct. Uh, it was a uh, fan-made alternative to Harvest Moon, which Barone had felt had gotten progressively worse after Harvest Moon Back to Nature, oh, not Animal Crossing okay. New Leaf. Great. Oh, man, you guys are doing great. Yeah. Two to zero. <laughs> oh, Kill him. Damn it. Uh, okay. Uh, Number three of five. There's five questions, by the way. Three of five. Uh, and then we will be done. Uh, so Celeste is a platform game in which players control a girl named Madeline as she makes her way up a mountain while avoiding various deadly obstacles. Along with jumping, climbing up walls for a limited amount of time, Madeline has the ability to perform a mid-air dash in four directions. This move initially can be performed once and must be replenished by either landing on the ground, hitting certain objects such as floating crystals, or moving to a new screen. So I think I caught it. Um, I'm wondering about that four directions reference because that seems not right. Yeah, I feel like it's it's omnidirectional. Right? Yeah. 
or at least eight. Mm-hmm. Is that your final answer? Yeah. More than four directions. Yeah. Damn it. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> eight. Eight directions. Eight directions. <laughs> that game would be way job. different if it was only four. Like, oh my that God. would be oh, impossible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Two more. Brutal. <laughs> Number four. Super Meat Boy is a platform game in which players control a small, dark red cube-shaped character named Meat Boy who must save his cube-shaped, heavily bandaged girlfriend, Gauze Girl, from the evil scientist, Dr. Fetus. The game is divided into chapters, which together contain over 300 levels. Isn't the bandage girl? I think so. It's bandage yeah. girl. Yeah. 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 What a great girl. game. <laughs> Gauze girl. I know. I, I kind of just wanted to have some alliteration. <laughs> yeah, there, I, like, I like it. <laughs> All right. Number five. And I cannot win this game. So uh, you've already won. <laughs> yeah. But we'll right. keep going for this last one. Although director Shinji Mikami and the Capcom crew released Resident Evil as Biohazard in Japan, it needed a new name for release in America. So Capcom held a company-wide contest to find a name. Uh, though the name that won was not Resident Evil, uh, when Chris Kramer, Senior Director of Communications and Community at Capcom US, saw that Resident Evil was on the list, he vetoed the winning entry because he... Well, I already gave it to you. Uh, he he <laughs> liked the winning entry uh, because he loved how super cheesy the name Resident Evil was. Mm. And that was, that, was the, that was the error there because he actually hated it. Oh, uh, he didn't like uh, it? He did not oh, like it at okay. all. Oh. Um, so, but you guys won anyway, so <laughs> my, my mess up didn't really hamper anything. All right. Well, thank you uh, both so much for, for playing the game and for joining uh, on this podcast recording. And thanks to everyone for listening. Um, we discussed a lot of cool stuff. We discussed, uh, well, let's see here. We discussed uh, the Ori in the Blind Forest and Ori in the Will of the Wisp game. We discussed Super Auto Pets. We discussed Deathloop. Uh, we talked about why we make the games that we make. And now what we're going to do is allow each person to tell us where they can be found online should they wish to be found. So Charlotte, I'll go with you. Where can people reach out to you, to you if, if you'd like? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's at uh, C-T-R-B-L-E. And uh, yeah, that's where you can find me. Cool. All right. What about you, Gage? <laughs> nice. Yeah, I'm also on Twitter at uh, drumgadget underscore 433. Nice. And I am at Caleb J. Ross, uh, C-A-L-E-B-J-R-O-S-S. Um, if you have any comments to make on this or any other Flyover Indies podcast episode, feel free to tweet us at Flyover Indies or email us at contact at flyoverindies.party. Uh, we might just read your tweets or emails in a future episode. And thank you so much for listening. Go listen to some other ones. Why don't you? That would be great. Other episodes, not other podcasts. Stick with only this one. <laughs>